Even as children, you watch over us. The plan that you have for our lives is just amazing. Before we were born, you knew us. In you is all of our hope. You give us purpose. You give us security. You teach us. You love us. You counsel us. Father, you truly are a wonderful Father with deep respect and reverence in our hearts. Every one of us here today say to you, Happy Father's Day. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, team. I've just been reflecting on what it's like to do life with God. And recently, as many of you know, my mum passed away and my dad's went to be with the Lord about 12, 14 years ago. Actually, about 14 years. We get so, such a short period of time on this earth compared to eternity. Trillions of years. That's the real perspective. And we get 80. It's a short dash. Living the dash. For me... 1961 dash. And one of the things I've realized more and more is the longer I'm on this planet, the more thankful I am for a loving Heavenly Father who even though people leave us through divorce or death, God is always faithful. You can count on that. That's why he encourages us to build our lives on him and his words because they never change. They are flawless, perfect. So today, if you're visiting with us, I want to say welcome. So glad you came. I encourage you to take out your notes and say again to you, Happy Father's Day. And since it's Father's Day, we're going to look at something today which is very practical. doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, a teacher, a manager, a doctor, a physicist. What we're going to look at today is important. Spiritual leadership in your home. And it's an issue I care about deeply. But I have to admit to you, over the last 40 years, I've heard many messages that say, hey guys, a father has to be a spiritual leader. But it's been somewhat frustrating because I've never been able to figure out exactly what people have meant by that. What does that exactly involve? What task does that look like? And if you've ever wondered about that question of how do you be a leader in your home, especially a spiritual leader, you chose a brilliant Sunday to come to church because I'm going to answer that question this morning to give some clarity on this. And my model and inspiration from that this week has been John chapter 17. And Jesus is in the garden. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to whip them out and turn to John chapter 17 because that's where I'm going to be taking the majority of this message straight from. In fact, the entire chapter tells us what Jesus did as a spiritual leader. So here he is. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm going to synthesize and parse seven leadership principles that Jesus showed to us, to his disciples firstly, that then we can use in our home and in our businesses and in those people that we lead, whether it be at school or wherever it may be. 
And dads, let me be real clear on this. Today, I specifically want to talk to you, and I want you to put the filter on of thinking about this from a dad's point of view, from a dad's point of view, from a granddad's point of view. This is what you and I are supposed to do in the most important place in our lives, in our homes. So primarily I'm going to talk to fathers, but the principles will apply to everyone. Whether you're a mom or a dad, whether you're a man or a woman, married or unmarried, and if you're a believer in Christ, one of your roles is to be a spiritual leader to those around you. Let me read with you the introduction to this chapter, John 17. You can follow along with me. After Jesus said this, he looked towards him and he prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give them, this is a big one, eternal life to all those you have given him. This is eternal life that they may know the only true God And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Jesus says, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. But hold on. For those of you who have been around a bit and you've read John, he hasn't gone to the cross yet. So what's he talking about here? Jesus hasn't paid for your salvation yet, so what work hadn't he, uh, had he finished? Part of that, the answer to that, was the spiritual work of being a leader to his disciples. And with Father's Day in mind, what does this mean to be a spiritual leader in your home or anywhere else? Seven things that Jesus clearly did. Firstly, he helped his disciples, and you dads need to help your sons and daughters get to know God. That's your first responsibility. Dad, this is actually your number one responsibility. Not making him a top tennis star or a rugby star or a golf pro or a ballet, you know, pro. It's your job to make sure that your kids are introduced to God. They know where to go. In other words, notice in John 17, 6, this is what Jesus says. I, Jesus, showed what you were like to those you gave me from the world. I showed them. That's what I did. And they belong to you, and you gave them to me. Now, this reminds me something. I and you do not own our kids' own. They're on loan from God. That's what he says there. They belong to who? You. And you gave them to me for a season. Parenting, friends, is a season of life that comes and it goes. And as parents, as with all these responsibilities, it's all about stewardship. What you do with what you've been given. Not somebody else has been given, but what you've been given. And I'm saying there, God, I'm the manager of what you put in my care. I need to take this seriously. I showed what you were like to those that you gave me. Showed. Notice it doesn't say, well, I gave them 14 sermons on what you were like. doesn't say that. I didn't lecture my kids. I didn't lecture them. It says, I showed. In other words, he led by example. They could see. For good or for bad, whether you like this or you don't like it, you and I are examples to our kids and to our grandkids. 
and good or bad, whether you like it or not, your children's idea of God will be to some degree influenced by the kind of father that you are. If, for example, you are an impatient and demanding father, you know what they'll think? Maybe God's like that too. If you are distant and detached and never have time for your kids, they're going to get confused and sometimes think that God hasn't got time to think about them and think that he's distant. If you are inconsistent and unreliable, by the way, do you notice what I'm doing here? It's exactly the antithesis to what God is. God is consistent and reliable. If you break your promises, they're going to unnecessarily think that their heavenly father is inconsistent, unreliable, and breaks his promises. And if you're unpleasable, that rubs off. When they pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, they may think, whoa, wait a minute here. If God's like my dad, no thanks. So what is God actually like? Let's look about what he's... Let's remove the myth and the perception that, of God and let's put what God is really like. Firstly, God is caring. That's a fact. And God is always loving. He's compassionate. That's what God is like. He is also close. It's instructive to us, eh? As parents. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not always gone. He's not detached. He is accessible. God is consistent. He's not moody. I love this about God. Great study on the immutability of God. God doesn't have bad moods. He is, oh, thank the Lord. See, people are fickle, but God is faithful. He's not capricious. He's consistent. And by the way, he's incredibly competent. Oh, so when I bring in my problems, he can handle those. Now, if my kids grow up knowing that God is that way, that's the sort of thing I need to model. Exactly the same way as he is. Now, why is this the first issue? Helping to get my kids to know God. Can I suggest to you, it is your most important task in life. Why? It's more important, by the way, than your job. It's far more important than your career. Or hobbies. And Jesus tells us two reasons that they're both, and they're both in this chapter. Verse 26. He says, I made you known to them. There's our job. Talking about God the Father. And I will continue to do so in order that, why? The love that you have for me may be in them. So why do I want to help my kids get to know God so they can enjoy, know and experience his love. It will be a tragedy if they went through life without a relationship with their creator. If there is a creator, and some of you are figuring it out today, wouldn't it make sense to sort of like investigate that a little bit more and find out a bit more about him? We want them to love God and experience God's love. But there's another reason I want them to get to know God. It's the way my kids, the only way they're ever going to get to heaven. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to earth. You see, if you want to get to heaven, Jesus Christ is non-negotiable. 
There is no other way. Spiritual birth always precedes spiritual growth. So before your kids can grow, they're going to be born again. They're going to know God personally. Growing up in a Christian home, let me say this very clearly, to clear away any misconceptions, because this is too important to get wrong, is not enough. Let me say it again. Growing up in a Christian home, Christian home is not enough. Each of them, like my children, have to come to a point in their life where they make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they realize they can't save themselves in the presence of a holy God whose knowledge is fully encompassing. It's no longer, they need to come to a point where it's no longer dad's faith or mum's, but my faith. And friends, parents, that can be a painful period of time. Pray for your kids when they take that transition. Now some may seem like they've made it. Don't give up praying for them. Second, Jesus taught them God's word. That's instructive to us as parents and dads. The word of God is our foundation. Reason? It is infallible. It is inerrant and it does not change. What we build our lives on has to be stable. It's the truth. Culture changes, fashion changes, and fads change. Jesus said, when you know the truth, you will be set free. Set free from what? Set free from chasing pointless trash. Set free and spade the pain from going down dead end and cul-de-sacs. Set free from being confused and paralyzed by purposelessness. Set free from pressure by the expectation of others. Set free from this, being a slave to fashions and trends of the moment that will be at a date tomorrow. I want my kids to be free. And your kids are going to build a life on something. Here's the question. Is it going to be the word of God or the world? You build it on that, you'll never get it. It's a mirage. A mirage. Parents, by the way, God expects you to be the primary teacher of your children. The primary teacher. It is your responsibility. That's, that means there's an implication there. For you to teach your children about God, you have to know God's word. You have to spend some time in it. John 17, 8 says, The second thing Jesus did, I have passed on to them the words that you gave me. Passed on to them the words you gave me. And in verse 14 it says, Clearly, I have given them your word. Your word. In some of these areas, parents, if you've passed that one by, double down on your efforts for your grandkids. Double it down. As a father, how do I actually literally give my uh, word, God's word, to my kids? Well, for those of you who have young ones, right now you're in a season. Suggestions, a couple of them. Number one, read them Bible stories before they go to bed. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Some kids are so detached from the Bible, they've got weird ideas like Noah's, Ark, Noah's wife was Joan of Ark. A few centuries apart there. You know, and they know more about the ice princess than they do about Barnabas and Paul. 
That's a problem. If it doesn't come from you, who will it come from? Do not outsource that to your youth group or All Stars or Galaxy or Sparkles. It is your responsibility. Primarily, we're here to help and support, and we want to do that. And there's lots of opportunity, but it is primarily yours. Question, are you in the Word? Because you can only give what you got. Are you in the Word? Grandpa, Grandma, Dad, Mum. Read the stories of the Bible to your younger kids. Second, encourage your kids to memorize the Bible together. They are phenomenal memories. In fact, they'll whoop you. It's scary. One of my sons, Stephen, decides to start to memorize the first three chapters of Romans. Wow! It motion. I'm competitive. Anybody ever guess that? What? How can he do that so easily? Helen learned the Greek alphabet before I did. It's ridiculous. Not that you need to do that. I was just learning. Great. Forget that. Side comment. Erase that, please. <laughs> They've got phenomenal memories, those little kids. Never miss that opportunity. Here's what the Bible says. I'm memorizing. I, thy word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Three. And a very politically incorrect statement. Here it is. Make sure your kids attend church. There's great input for your kids through this church. Sparkles, All-Stars, Galaxy, Youth, Young Adults, Small Groups, Real Media. Do not be a detached, laissez-faire parent that says, Well, I want to let my kids decide for themselves. I don't want to push them to go to church. Listen, what say that little whippersnipper in year five decides... I don't like my teacher. I ain't going to school. Ever, anybody ever heard that? What did you do? You are going. Right? There's no nonsense there. I don't want to go. I don't like it. I guess, you know, for the next few weeks, you're going to say you're going, whether you like it or not. Now, would that be reasonable? How much more important is spiritual input? In other words, I want to be clear about this. Do not be a hands-off, outsourced teacher. See, right now, you take your kids to the rugby grounds on Saturdays, and you stand on the sidelines, and your kids play rugby, and you watch. And you actually pay fees for that, by the way. Or let's go to tennis. You go take your kids to tennis, and you pay fees to have your kids coached, and you watch on the sideline as some other guy gets to teach your kids how to play tennis. You're outsourcing this. Don't make that mistake with church. They are your responsibility. Be involved in your kids' and your grandkids' lives vitally. Four, teach them to study the Bible for themselves. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, let me give you something really easy that you'll remember every day of your life. When you get in the shower, you use something called soap. Well, some of you should do, okay? Soap. S-O-A-P. That's all you remember. Every day, you know, God, as I'm cleaning the outside, you clean the inside. Here's how it goes. How do you study the Bible? Four easy things. S, pick a scripture. O, write an observation. A, have an application. And P, pray. God, help me to do what you said. We don't want educated people who do nothing. Jesus talked about them very harshly in Matthew 7. 
She says, don't think for a moment. You say, Lord, 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 didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal this? Didn't we do miracles? He says, get out of here. I never knew you. That's scary. Look at the root cause of that. Let me sum it up real quick. They didn't do what they knew to do. They played church. They played being Christians. They played. God is not into hypocrisy. We need to do what he says. SOAP, S-O-A-P-E. And I want and you want for your children then for them to be self-feeders. Remember when you start, in the beginning it's good, open your mouth, ah. I've just been doing that with my granddaughter. But more Eva, eat more, wipe up around the mouth, but messy, you know. That's okay. Over, if I was still doing that when she's 15, there's a serious problem. Not to mention changing the diaper and bar, boop, you know, barping. Huh? People need to be learned to be self-feeders. Take that seriously, parents. You do physically do the same likewise spiritually. Third characteristic of a spiritual leader, he prayed for them. Jesus prayed for the people he was leading. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the whole world. What? That's another sidebar. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. You have to pray with your kids. You have to pray for your kids. If you're going to be a spiritual leader, why do I pray? Jesus prayed for those he was leading. First, he prayed that they live for Christ joyfully. Pray that your kids, in verse 13, I pray for these things whilst I'm in the world so that they will have the same joy that I have. Christianity is never a drag. Religion is a pain in the blessed assurance. Christianity is joy. If it's not, there's something wrong. And legalism is coming. It's, look, if you're married, it, it's a joy. It's a relationship. This life, it happens as interaction. Joy. I pray that they will have the same joy that I have with you. Two, he prayed that they grow strong spiritually. How do we grow strong through spiritually? This is painful, parents, but listen carefully. Your kids will grow through pain. Through suffering, through perseverance, through trials. That's how you grow. Not at Disneyland. Notice Jesus prays for their growth. He doesn't pray, oh God, my Father, please make my kids' life easy. Not there. If they do have an easy life, they'll turn into self-centered, narcissistic brats. It is what it is. The goal of God for us is to have Christ-like character. Character development is far more important than comfort. Jesus prays this in verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world where they will have trouble, but for you to keep them safe from the evil one. Three, he prays that they'll serve Christ effectively. He prays this, make them ready for your service. That's what we need to be praying for. Through your truth. Your teaching is truth. So I pray, God, I pray they'll find and discover a place to serve my kids. Even at an early age. Then they can start serving in other ways. And four, I pray they'll experience fellowship personally. This is a great lesson in life, how they'll really love. My, uh, John 17, 21 says, My prayer is that they will be of one heart and one mind, just as you are one. You and I are one, Father. Then the world will believe that you sent me. And fifth, he prayed also, 
that they will bring others to Christ regularly. In verse 20 he says, I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of their message. Do you see that? Do you see that? Jesus expects us to reproduce. Figure that out. Ants reproduce, humans reproduce, animals reproduce. God wants us to reproduce also as Christians. For others to come to Christ because of his message. Through us. And each generation must pass the word on to the next generation. So this is what it means to be a spiritual leader. Before we go any further into the last few points, we're going to be praying for our kids. And I'm going to ask the dads, especially, to follow me in this prayer of blessing. And I'm going to actually ask you to follow after me and say this prayer aloud with me. And this doesn't matter whether you may be 5 or 50, but you can pray this prayer of blessing. I'm just going to ask you to follow me in these words. So would you bow your heads with me and just follow me? Dear God, let's say it again. Dear God, I want my kids to know you. I want them to know your word. Help them to grow strong spiritually. And to live for you joyfully. Help them to learn to love. And help them to learn to serve. And to share your love with others. And help me to help them. Father, I want to thank you for these men, and especially who prayed this prayer. I know for some of them, it took courage to do that. It may have been their first public prayer ever. We honor them, and we ask that you would strengthen their families. We know that you're going to answer and hear this prayer because it's the prayer that you prayed. And so we know it's your will, and we pray that you will be done in our families. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. The fourth characteristic of spiritual leadership is he built his character into them. And this is what Jesus did, and it's our job as fathers and dads. He says, my life is on display in them. Now, Dad, again, for good or for bad, your life and my life is on display in front of our children. And the goal of life in your own life and in the lives of your children is that they will grow in character, especially to be more like Jesus. How do you do that? I want to say this clearly. Values and character are both both caught and taught. Two things. They are caught by watching what you do. And they're also taught intentionally. Both of those conditions require time. Kids are like clams. They open up, you'll see, they'll be going along, buzzing along, and it's a very surface level conversation. And all of a sudden... This little clam will open up and you'll have a period of time to speak into their lives. And then they'll close up real quick. A good time to find this, I find it more often than others, is a bedtime. Kids are especially, especially little kids and growing up. Bedtime is so important. Bedtime is not just for mum, it's for dads too. So spend time praying, reading Bible stories, talking with them about life. That can be a time when kids are most often come out with the most mind-numbing questions too. You need to be there to answer those. 
The other thing you realize is this. Building character in your life, in your kids' lives, happens through difficulty and pain. We don't go growing character when things are going great. In fact, the Bible often compares character development to birthing. <laughs> huh? And you're having a baby. Paul says, just like a mother in childbirth, I feel like the same kind of pain for you until Christ's nature is formed in you. Number five, Jesus guarded their spiritual growth. The mark of a spiritual leader is protection. He guards and he protects, a leader does. Doesn't run away from his responsibilities. And in John 17, 12, Jesus says, whilst I was with them, I kept them safe. By the power of your name, I protected them, and not one of them was lost except Judas. So, that, so why? That the scripture will be fulfilled. God already knew way back then. In fact, there is no way back then in, in, in God. God is outside of time. He said, I protected them. I kept them safe. Dads as fathers, what do you do here? Well, you protect your children in three different ways. Number one, you protect their bodies. Now, that's why I think Sometimes we men don't have the best sense of judgment on this one, right? That's why you have a mother to tell you what might be a little bit safer. We went with some of my kids rock climbing. My wife was sure I had a death wish for our entire family. We were meters off the ground and could fall straight into rocks. But I'm not a problem, doll. Harden up here, sweetie. We're going to be fine. She didn't quite see it that way. You protect their bodies. That's part of your job. I always said if I get all my kids to 21 with all their 10 fingers and 10 toes and all their teeth, I've done a good job. And the last one came and said, Dad, do you want to count? <laughs> that was Nate. Number two, you protect, this is really important, you protect their minds. Really important. It's your job as a father, as a spiritual leader, to protect their minds as they're growing up. Be careful what you let your kids watch when it comes to movies. Even in supposed Christian homes. Check it out. I was blown away not so many years ago when Lord of the Rings came out and I saw five-year-olds watching that. And then they wonder why years later they're saying, why has my kid got nightmares and is so insecure and so scared of the dark? TV programs. I can't believe what we see on TV today. My kids used to, you know, well, when, way back, we'd be watching more wholesome values. All I'm saying is I've noticed a slide and it's not for the good. Books and magazines. So dads, make sure you know what's going into their minds, especially through their phones, internet, and computers. It is your, I don't know anything about computers. Find somebody, one of your friends, to come around and make sure you've got the right stuff on there. Turn Google Safe Search on today. Today. Write it down somewhere on your thing. Turn Google Safe Search on. Protect what goes into their mind. Third, so we protect their bodies, their minds, and we also protect their spirits. What does that mean? Their dignity, their self-esteem, their words. There's an old canard that says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's balderdash. A dad can crush his daughter with one sentence. Or he can build up his daughter. Same thing with sons. Boys need their manhood affirmed. Every boy wants that. And dads play a massive role in affirming a young man's confidence, his attitude, and thereby, ultimately, his altitude. 1 Peter 5 says this. Peter's writing to pastors, so let me be clear. 
But the advice applies to every one of you as a leader. Mums and dads especially. Here it is. Nurture, guard, and guide the flock. That includes your kids. Here it is. That's your responsibility. Not domineering as arrogant or dictatorial or overbearing persons, but this is how to do it. By examples and patterns of models of Christian living. Single women, I want you to notice the scripture. If you choose to marry, if you do, I encourage you to look for a man like this who is not domineering. He is not arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing. But rather, find one who is an example and a pattern of Christian living, which looks like a servant. That's as clear as it can make it. Six, he released them to serve God's purposes. John 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Or as the message says, in the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. So what Jesus did, we are to also do. Now the whole goal of parenting, and this is hard, ladies. I want to talk to you now. This is very hard. The whole goal of parenting is to eventually release your children. And you are preparing them to be released into the world. Please don't send them out there when they don't know how to cook or clean or the basics of life or budget or study the word of God, all the essentials. Make sure they're doing it whilst they're under your nose. And the goal is not to hold on to your children and control them the rest of your lives. The flip side of this is the protection point. Yes, as a dad, I'm responsible to protect my kids as they're growing up. But you cannot protect your kids from taking risks for the glory of God. My daughter and son-in-law and my two grandkids are in Uganda right now, where there's a reasonable degree of risk. We know Tim had... Um, bacterial pneumonia, malaria, other things like that. But I need to let them go to serve the purposes of God. You see, you can be so overprotective of your kids that you will not release them emotionally. They're always tied to mummy or daddy's apron strings. Or maybe even physically, you're a bit tweaky about them leaving right under your nose. And you say, sure, I want my kids to serve God as long as they stay in East Auckland. That's unreasonable. Let me ask you a very frank question. Are you willing to let God be God in their lives or are you still trying to be God in their lives? Calling all the shots. Many people try to control their kids even after they get married. Shocking, eh? Does anybody want to give a testimony of that? You've got to let them go. You've got to let him go. For this cause shall a man leave, leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one. Leave and cleave. That's God's plan. So you've got to let him go to serve God's purpose. Seventh and final responsibility of a spiritual leader in this passage. He modeled commitment. You cannot lead your kids further spiritually than you are yourself. So he says, verse 19, so important. For their sake, I dedicate myself completely to you. 
in order to, that they may too, excuse me, be truly dedicated to you. So here's a few important questions. Nervous questions. What do your kids see that you are dedicated to? What do they see? What do your kids see that you are committed to? Your retirement? Then the other question, the positive angle, what do you want your kids to see that you're committed to? Because believe it or not, you have a choice. I suggest that you commit yourself to God's five purposes for life so that that will do, do that too. Number one, that you commit yourself to knowing and loving God. That's worship. Secondly, that you commit yourself to learning to love other people, especially in the context of his family, which is fellowship. Then you commit yourself to growing in Christ, like carry to yourself. That's discipleship. Are you in the word of God? And then fourth, you become committed to serve, becoming a server, not just a taker in this life, to serve other people unselfishly. That is called ministry. I've noted, and it's a hard thing to hear this, but it needs to be said, too many Christians use the church. They don't love her. See, Jesus loves his church, and he gave his life for her. So we too must love and serve his bride like Jesus did. Number five, you commit to sharing the good news. Are you sharing the good news? If you're not, perhaps you don't value the good news. Don't worry about what other people think. Share the good news. That's evangelism. And then they will too. Then they'll become purpose-driven rather than pressure-driven or guilt-driven. Or worry-driven, or resentment-driven, or peer-driven, and all the other ways that lead to a lot of problems. Jesus realized that he wasn't going to be with the disciples forever. And you're not going to be with your kids forever either. I know that. Now we have an empty nest. All our kids are gone. And one day, you're going to die, just like my mum did a few weeks ago. And if you know Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. Now, Jesus knew it was just a matter of time before we'd be hanging that cross. And this is what he says. Final verse. Now I'm departing the world and I am leaving them behind. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them and care for them. And that's the prayer that you need to be praying for your kids. Realizing that parenting is just such a small season. It is not going to last forever and you've got to make the most of it. It's never too late to start leading. You may even be a grandfather now. It is not too late to start leading. Would you bow your heads with me and close? As I close, I'm just going to pray two quick prayers. First for the fathers in this room, and then I'm going to pray for the rest of you. Dads, I want you to follow me in this prayer. You do not have to say this one aloud. Just follow me in your mind. Say, dear God, I want to be a spiritual leader in my family. I admit I've got a lot to learn. And I've got some catch-up work to do. But I believe that you can give me the wisdom and the desire and the power to do it. So I dedicate myself completely to you to be the father of my children 
Help me to be the father I need to be and the grandfather you want me to be. Now for the rest of you, I want to pray. And maybe you want to follow me along too. Dear God, I want to be a spiritual leader too. In every situation that you put me in, help me to remember these responsibilities. Help me to support my father or husband and all the fathers that I know. Give us strong families. Thank you for my church family where we support each other no matter what stage of life we're in. We're all in this together. Jesus, I want to be dedicated totally to being used by you in any way you wish in the powerful and eternal name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen.